0: Hey everybody, I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same Move the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Thanks for joining in. Real quickly, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also share the show with a few friends too. I'm super jazzed to be bringing you a very high energy and positive guest who knows how to keep things moving and win. Today, Thad Wong, co-founder and co-CEO of At Properties, Christie's International Real Estate, and I chat about his journey building a startup real estate brokerage into the number one firm in Chicago. We discuss things like having infectious energy, how if you want to win, you have to be the best at everything, world-class tools in tech adapting and if it isn't broke, break it mindset. And also Thad shares more on the app properties acquisition of Christie's International Real Estates. This is an episode you are going to love. Let's go. Thad, it's great to have you on the show and inside the huddle with us. I know you are a very busy person and really just appreciate you carving out some time. Something that you and I both have in common is that we are both big into sports. And a few weeks ago, we had the Super Bowl. And my listeners know that I was out in Arizona, which is always a fun time during Super Bowl weekend. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But first, I want to know, where were you watching the Super Bowl? And more importantly, who were you rooting for?
1: So I was Section 141. Oh. I had the game, too. I was with my youngest, Palmer, and I was rooting for Kansas City.
0: Okay, So it was a great
1: outcome. Great outcome. I mean, I'm a bear and I'm a Viking. I grew up in Minnesota, but I've adopted the bears, but both are reliably unreliable teams. So when I went there, it was only really more to see the Eagles fans lose because they are so horrendous that (laughs) I'm just being around them, the Kansas City fans seem so much happier and cheerful and ready to go and and positive. So that's where we decide our alignment effectively at the game.
0: I gotcha. And I mean, it was a great game, close game to the end. And so definitely as someone who knows players on both teams, you you root for players and not just teams. So it was good to see the guys I knew on the Chiefs get a victory. Yeah. So as I was getting ready for our show, I was thinking about Super Bowl weekend and there's always so much fun around the weekend, all kinds of activities and events. And one of my favorite things that I got to do that I think you would enjoy is I got to play football pong and I had Michael Irvin as my coach for football pong. So that was quite an adventure. Have you ever played football pong?
1: No, I played ping pong, obviously, but never football pong.
0: So football pong is like beer pong, for those that don't know, and you basically have these giant cans and you got to throw a football into the buckets and they're lined up like you would have in beer pong. And so it was quite an interesting activity to do. And the reason I thought of that, because you're probably thinking, Jen, what does this have to do with us at all, is the last time I saw you was at the sales meeting that we had in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And you guys started out the meeting, you and Mike playing beer pong on stage. And really, it was a fun activity to kind of get the crowd going and just have fun, be happy to be there. And something that I've always admired and enjoyed about you, that is your energy. It just seems like you've always got a smile on your face. You're always energetic, trying to be upbeat. And so one thing that I wrote about in my first book, Move the Ball, was this acronym called Mad Pride and the E in that acronym stands for energy that energizes. And so Mad Pride is one of those things that I say are qualities that elite leaders have that really make them successful. And so when I look at your energy level, you're always just giving off infectious energy. So the question I have for you is what drives you to be so energetic and project that onto the people you get to work with?
1: Wow, that's an interesting question because you wonder what the hidden motivator is if there is one or if that's just who you are. I've always been high energy. I've always been, when I was a kid, they called it hyperactive, ADHD. Now they call it, what, extra alert? I have no idea. (laughs) But I don't know what gets me with other people in wanting to succeed or wanting to solve problems. I think there's just something innate when I'm hearing about something that I want to improve it. And in doing that, I want to work with others. And if you're going to work with other people, the goal is to get close with them and learn about them so it can be more interesting. So I don't have a good answer to that question. If I am high energy, that's just the way I am. But I get excited and I enjoy working with people and I mostly love seeing other people succeed.
0: Yeah and I can see that I watch people and I can see that from you I mean you like to just energize other people and serve and see them successful so it's something that I think you do a fantastic job of in the culture with at properties as well so let's run things way back so before at properties Christie's International there was Thad Wong and Michael Golden two friends that were just dominating in the city of Chicago as real estate agents and so you've been one of the top agents in the city really knew how to move the ball, as I would say, and dominate the game. When you look back at your career as a sales agent, what were some of the things that you were doing that you thought set yourself apart from others that were trying to make it as agents?
1: So I think one of the things that set us apart and allowed us to grow, aside from starting to learn and become experts in new construction development, high-rise loft, and townhome construction was the attention to detail. There's this world yap. I actually learned it from my wife. It's giving something a little something extra that can be memorable. So instead of just doing what was asked of us or instead of doing what was expected, we always did more. And we always created a better experience, something far more memorable, and then reminded people of that just through our outreach and consistent follow-up. So that piece of it, that yap, that intentional desire to give something to someone that's more and beyond what they expected. I think that's what would have helped us build the types of relationships that we were able to build to guarantee the amount of business that we had coming in.
0: Well, you bring up a couple of things that I think are important. Relationships are so important. Cultivating those we know is how you really succeed in whatever business field that you're in, especially in real estate. And you mentioned going beyond the expectation of your clients. And so one of the things that I always talk about is being able to move the ball and dominate is about differentiation and separation. And so how do you bring differentiated value to your customers? And so part of that is going beyond what they expect to provide a world-class service level. And then people remember that and they recommend you, they refer you because of that experience that you brought to them.
1: Absolutely. That's a big piece of it. When you're working as an independent contractor and you're growing a business organically, that's the least expensive growth and revenue generation is a customer referral and a repeat use. So if you know, if you studied real estate, that's something that a lot of agents fail at. And it's actually something that's really, really easy. So that's sort of like one of the easy ways to gain market shares, to do something that you know your competitors are notoriously poor at, and that is follow-up, consistency, communication. And most importantly, if you think, how can I be of greater value after the transaction than I was during the transaction? If that can be an agent's focus, the amount of referrals that they're going to generate from their existing happy clientele is going to be incredibly abundant
0: absolutely. And those are really like the fundamentals, the basics that people miss, because whether you were growing a business in the 1990s or the 2000s or the 2020s, those things that you mentioned, those have been constant following up, maintaining the client relationship, focusing on the entire relationship, not just a transaction at a particular point in time. And so you were doing real estate for a number of years, decided to go in another direction. You and Mike ended up starting at Properties. Tell us about, was there an event that kind of prompted like you know what it's time to go out on our own or how did that journey begin
1: you know it's funny we didn't have an intention to go out on our own and do what we ended up doing we had a customer a large customer high-rise developer that no longer wanted to work with the brokerage that we were affiliated with and gave us an ultimatum he said either join another brokerage start your own brokerage i don't care what you do but i'm not willing to work with you while you're at that brokerage obviously a little bit of a riff with the broker owner So Mike and I looked at each other. We were both 30 years old. Neither of us had children. Mike was married. I was single. We thought, okay, let's do this. And we had a conversation and we thought when we were there at the company we were at, and this is an incredible blessing that this developer, the ultimatum they gave us, because we worked for a guy that really made us feel like we worked for him and really didn't give us much. And even though we were the top salespeople in the office generating 70, 75% of the revenue never really gave us what we were looking for, which in a lot of ways was just an emotional connection, some sort of pride, some sort of acknowledgement, some kind of something. And so we thought, okay, we need to flip the script. We felt like we were working for this brokerage when in reality we were creating revenue. Let's create it something and flip it on its head and have a brokerage work for the agents and really help them develop points of differentiation that are valuable from the consumer's perspective to help them grow their business. And that was really the entire thesis behind starting App Properties. We didn't really understand or know exactly what it's gonna be first. At first it was marketing, it ended up being marketing, but that was a piece of it. You know, How can we work for the agents to help them be better agents, help them sell more real estate through true valuable points of differentiation and give them so much from the company side that when they added their own personal point of differentiation, It was market dominant.
0: Sure. And I'm going to come back to that in a second. But before we get to that, when you look at starting this brokerage, you obviously had a client already that was interested in working with you, which is that's important for someone that's going off to be brokers as they have a client base. What were some of the challenges that you found, maybe some things unexpected as you were launching at Properties?
1: something that was unexpected i think a lot of things were unexpected as we went but i think a lot of this revolves around perspective And i think these questions are always really difficult for me to answer because somebody says what didn't go your way i don't know i don't even remember the things that really didn't go my way because whatever it was we just adapted with it and came up with a different solution so it was just a challenge so i don't think there was really one big hurdle we have had consistent growth as we started the company for the last twenty-two years. We've consistently innovated and developed new products. We've developed platform, a proprietary technology offering, best in class, best in the country. Challenges, I would say, were just the cyclicality. So when you're staffing up and you're building you a large organization, the Great Recession, that was tough. We remained profitable through the entire period, but we had to pull back a bit. We did open up, I think, about 15 offices in that three. Year period. So when I say pull back, we just needed to make some sacrifices, but we didn't stop investing in the growth. And just like right now, I would say we're in a very similar period from a brokerage own. You can see publicly traded brokerage stocks have gotten down ninety percent. You don't really see that. They definitely didn't get down ninety percent in the Great Recession. So what happened? So that piece of it is hard. It's not just the seasonality, but every ten years or so, it's very difficult to predict. You'll have a whiplash in the economy. And those are hard because you can't really cut back on staff and resources as much as the volume declines. You can't. Otherwise, you don't provide adequate product to the agent. So those periods are very stressful. But those were really the only things that I don't think anybody could foresee. Or those that did, they were far more prepared than we were.
0: And you mentioned how you can't scale back because then you compromise the quality that you can provide to your customer. And I think that's where a lot of business owners get it wrong, because the natural reaction is, where can I cut all these expenses? Because the economy is not as healthy as it used to be. Unfortunately, that's not the people that know, or fortunately, the people that are successful know that that's not the answer. I mean, yeah, you look at what sacrifices you make, but you have to be very strategic in what do you preserve, what do you continue to invest in, because it is for the long-term viability and the success and to increase your growth and market position, et cetera. Now we talked about differentiation and something that you had mentioned on a podcast before that I've listened to was you said, if you want to win, you have to be the best in everything you do. And that's something that I really appreciate because for me, I always try to do everything that I set myself out to do is first class. So it's always going to be high quality and I'm going to make the investments from a business perspective or hire the right people to have that first class mentality around me in terms of tools, products, whatever it is that I'm doing. For you, when you look at being the best at all the things that you do, when you first started thinking about what were the areas of the business that we really needed to invest in to enable our agents to provide that world-class experience, what were some of the primary things you were focused on initially?
1: So the first one was marketing. I didn't see brokerages investing a ton in physical collateral back in the early 2000s. So we developed our first listing presentation. It was the best in the market, even though we were a tiny startup brokerage. But we wanted our agents to go in a listing presentation and have a leave behind that dwarfed its competition, even though our company was small. We still believe that today. If you look at how our listing, physical listing presentation has morphed, now for our over a million dollar listings, they actually get a leather briefcase, a leather folio, a white linen hardcover book. It's hard to imagine what's given there. And that started in the year 2000 with our first investment, a significant investment, into a saddle stitch paper presentation. But no one in our competition even had that. So that marketing piece there. And the second piece was technology. We very early on realized it was really hard to do what brokers are still doing today, which arguably has become even more difficult, patching together all different software solutions, trying to integrate them so that agents can use them to their benefit and having them very integrated with marketing and distribution. So that piece of it in the beginning stages of platform, I think we hired our first engineer in probably 05, 06. That piece of it is the melding between marketing and technology to get marketing distributed but at the end what we ended up building was a operating system that helped an agent become more efficient so they could sell more real estate and give the customer a better experience.
0: Absolutely. And as someone who is an agent with ad properties, I am a firsthand user of the platform system. And I will say I used to work in Fortune 50 companies, some of the best brands in the world. And so, I mean, from a technology system standpoint, platform is definitely top notch and it's a great tool that you provide agents the use of to help their business.
1: Probably, you know, a big piece of it was the difference is that, you know, we built it and we operate a brokerage. And so the communication with agents were consistent throughout the entire development and evolution of platform. So it was really built by real estate brokers for brokers. So very, very different than a lot of other software companies.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it shows, I mean, just being that you and Mike have had that experience of selling and being at the top of the game, you know what right looks like and what will be helpful for agents. And so the platform system definitely provides a lot of functionality to be able to assist agents as they work with their clients throughout the entire transaction. You have this, if it ain't
1: broke. If it ain't broke, break it. Yes,
0: yes, thank you.
1: That's the problem. There's a lot of times people just, have things that work and so they don't rethink them. They don't add any layer of creativity to it to make it better and improve it. We have two years of add-ons that are coming on the platform that are already in the schedule. So that's a big piece of it. I think sometimes you have to, even if you have the best in class, it's really important to break it and figure out how it can be made better. And we just did that with our physical listing presentation. It was the best in class and we broke it and we came up with a leather folio. And that was really, really cool. And had we not just decided that we needed to come up with something different because we had the same presentation for three years, we would have never come up with that idea.
0: And that's something too that I think translates from the competitive athlete side into business is competitive athletes are always focused on how do I get that 1% better? You could be elite, but it's not just like, hey, I'm good enough. No, it's always looking at how do I continue to take that to the next level? And same thing with at properties. It's really about how do I look at the systems and make them better? They're good, but let's continue to improve and take them to that next level, which I really like as well. Thank you. A couple of years ago, you guys made the decision to acquire Christie's International Real Estate. Walk us through the thought process leading up to that potential acquisition and then kind of just the journey.
1: So there was not a lot of time for thought in our reality. We found out about the offering was very, very hush hush. Nobody knew anything about it. And the NDA is still in effect for years post transaction on big pieces of it. So especially others that were interested in buying it, etc. So for us, when we looked at it, we looked at anything that we were missing, I always want to find out what am I missing? What do I not have? What do our agents not have in order to succeed? And this was one of those things where we could kill two birds with one stone. Number one, our agents didn't have world-renowned brand that was known as a luxury leader to attach on to their local brokerage. And Christie's International Real Estate, you can walk into any house in the world, any affluent house in the world, and ask if they've heard of Christie's. The answer is yes. And if they, you ask them a couple of words to describe Christie's, even if they weren't a client of Christie's Auction House, they would say luxury. So it is a great brand. And for people that think, I don't need a brand, it's all about me, I'm the agent, I agree it's a lot about the agent, but the agent does carry a flag and that flag has a brand on it and that brand is on the sign, on the brochure and everywhere. And the truth is, people pay more for brands. The only brand I know people search out to pay less for is generic, the brand generic. So, but if you're going to buy a watch, first brand that comes to your mind when you say watch, Rolex. First brand that comes to your mind when you say car, Someone will say Mercedes-Benz. They don't say Kia. They don't. Kia is a great car, but people think luxury. And guess what else? People pay a lot more for luxury brands than they do non-luxury brands. So if you're going to have any brand in front of a house for sale, why not have a luxury brand that wraps the house and helps present it? So that piece of it was a massive benefit to the agents in Chicagoland, the yeah, app properties agents. And number two, for us with the scaling of platform – going out to other markets and offering we never wanted to just offer technology we wanted to offer everything that we use to build at properties in the chicagoland market but by offering also Christie's international real estate as a brand that gave a perfect wrapper to the best technology in the market so now if i'm in a market like los angeles and i say here is Christie's international real estate here's the technology platform Here's the marketing provided by App Properties, coaching and training provided by App Properties. It is a perfect package, but what the consumer gets, what the agent gets, the brokerage, they get a fabulous brand to partner with that is world-renowned, and that is priceless. Brand has an extrinsic value. It's almost impossible to quantify the value of a brand. How much more is someone willing to pay for something because of its brand? So if you just think about that for a second, how much more you pay for things, because of the brand, it's a lot. It's a lot. So we thought the speed at which it would help us scale, platform, and integrate it around brokerages and allowing us to partner with independent brokerages, not only in America, but around the world, it would be a heck of a lot faster with Christie's than it would be without it. And it brings a new revenue stream from the brokerage side. And it gives App Properties a massive benefit because App Properties is sort of like the test kitchen for everything that happens at Christie's. So anytime we launch something or roll it out, it happens here first, and then we roll it out afterwards. So it just gave our agents an incredible benefit, which was our big revenue producer, but gave us a big brand to be able to roll out internationally without having to spend money to buy brand credibility.
0: Something else you made me think about being a part of Fortune 50 companies in micro We've gone through a lot of acquisitions of other companies. And when you do that integration with those firms, there's a lot of commonality of processes and systems like you just mentioned. Are there any best practices from Christie's that you've adopted into at properties and those offices as a result of the acquisition?
1: You know, that's funny that you asked that question because we really felt like it was almost a turnaround. We felt like we had this amazing brand. They had a CEO running it prior, who ironically was a mergers and acquisitions guy, but didn't do well with relationships and had lost some of the most iconic names, in my opinion, some of the best names, not just broker owners, but brands wanting to be a broker themselves. And so that just didn't work. The relationship with the auction house is the best piece that went along with that deal. But other than that, we really had to rebuild it We've kept the CEO and some of the finance team, one service provider. We rebuilt the entire marketing team. We spent the whole year kind of rebuilding it. I hired a lot of new service providers around the country and internationally. Kept a great international leader in France, Helena. But in all reality, I bought it as more of a turnaround that nobody knew that it needed to be turned around except some people within the industry.
0: So you have done a fantastic job with Mike in building at Properties and Christie's International, the number one leader in real estate here in the Chicagoland market and have over 13,000 agents across the globe. When you look at this year and subsequent years, what's next? Where do you see things heading for
1: the brand and everything you're looking to do? Well, it's interesting because right now, if you look at the Christie's side, I think you'll see a number of fabulous independents brokers around the country and around the world that will sign up to be Christie's affiliates. I think they see incredible value in the brand, but I think what really is getting them over the edge is the intrinsic value and the cost reduction involved in the technology, the marketing, but also the marketing distribution, coaching and training, that piece of it really has that strong value. I think you'll see that grow. I think in our market, we were already number one in luxury, but we are just number one by a little bit. I think you'll see our luxury dominance grow in the Chicagoland area. I think you'll see our market share grow as well. I mean, we're coming after also the compass effect where they came in, spent a ton of money, bought some agents. That's starting to now deteriorate. So that will splinter off into other companies' growth. I think we'll take advantage of that. And I think in a lot of ways, we'll keep on doing what we enjoy doing because that's a big piece of it is being happy. And that is the personal connection with agents, the personal connection with leadership team, within our own organization and not get to get too far removed from the transaction because it's the nuance in the transaction that allows us to continue to be creative in the development of platform with things that are going to enhance the agent's relationship with the consumer. And then, like I said, that's going to trickle down to all of the Christie's affiliates in North America with platform. And then from the marketing side, around
0: the globe. Well, I love it. I love being a part of the journey and I'm excited for the future growth of the company. And you talk about the training, not just the tools, but the training. And I mean, I think something that you all have done is built a really top-notch team of coaches, of trainers, just that are Amy and Kevin at the top of the training group, they do a fantastic job. And so as someone who has looked at organizational leadership and development and training for a long, long time in your career, I think that they are just putting together great programs to enable agents to be successful and to move the ball, as I would say.
1: Yeah, that group, the partnership between Amy and Kevin has been sensational. Back in the Great Recession, we launched a course that we're relaunching again called Getting What You're Worth. And it really helps an agent and empowers them to articulate their value proposition. Because when you think about it, if you have two agents going for the listing, why should they each charge the same amount or in that range? That You don't go to a dentist because they're the cheapest dentist. And so giving the agents the confidence and understanding of their market value so they can determine what they feel is a fair price for them to charge. That It doesn't need to be a race to the bottom. That's a very empowering course. Bringing that back is great, and that's proprietary. And a lot of our coursework was built by us. Amy's right now running a great teams course. It's a two-day course for people on how to building teams and building succession plans and scalability. So, yeah, that that partnership between Amy and Kevin has been perfect. The evolution of coffee with Amy and Kevin during COVID, we took advantage of a period when everyone's at home, and we got such great adoption. During that first 90 days of COVID, I will say that's what allowed us to beat the market so significantly. When COVID came back, it's true, all boats rose, but ours rose considerably higher. And I think that was because we took advantage of that three, four, five four, five-month period when everybody was at home and really dove in with a lot of training. I'm sure you remember the client appreciation gifts, the bagels that were sent out. That was a lot of fun. We kind of took lemons and made lemonade but also incorporated agents, clients, which really allowed us to beat the market during the recovery.
0: And you mentioned knowing what you're worth in that training. I mean, no matter what business you're in, whether it's real estate related or some other service provider, I mean, knowing how you can effectively pitch what you bring to the table to get the maximum fee or to get what you want to charge and not just settle for peanuts because you think you have to be the lowest price at the table. I think that's such an important thing because I'll have for the rest of my business, people will ask all the time, why should I work with you? What do you bring to the table? And so I'm a brander. So I know what to say there and I think I do it well, but it's not for everybody. But you need to know how to pitch to get what you're worth and not just settle for any transaction or any deal because at the end of the day, you bring value to the table. So you want to be compensated for that.
1: And you need to believe it, right? Yes. I mean, you can't make it up. That's what I mean. Understanding, getting what you're worth, that two-day course, that really helps people authentically believe in themselves, in what they're explaining is their point of differentiation. It builds confidence, but more than just confidence, it helps you understand better what words to use to describe that confidence and that ability that you have that is different from somebody else you're competing against. So it yields higher conversion rates in presentations and it allows agents to charge what they're really worth. And people are eager to pay that. The studies show that consumer is not looking for the cheapest broker. They're looking for the most effective broker that's going to get them from point A to point B with the least amount of hassle.
0: Absolutely, I like that. That confidence piece is very important because you can have an answer, but if you can't deliver that in a manner that gives your prospect the comfort level, that, like you know what you are doing and that you can deliver on what you say you can do, then you're going to lose the sale too. So having that confidence is so important. So with that, what I want to do now is I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into our two-minute drill. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record, or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy to implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle and all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Thad, we are back and I've got some fun questions that I want to take you through. Are you ready for this two minute drill? I am ready. All right. First question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself?
1: You mentioned this was going to come up. And the three words that I thought of are happy. Because I mean, they really work to be happy, but it does come somewhat naturally. I, I give my mom all the credit for that. I'm a very much a glasses half full person. And I find out the positive things and everything. I'm a partner. I love being a partner. I'm an only child. So maybe that's the reason I choose partners. And I'm creative. I like thinking outside the box. I like things that come from out of the ordinary. I like the unexpected and I'm attracted to that.
0: Great words. And I'm an only child too. So I can align with you there. Next question is what is one thing most people don't know about you?
1: That's tough. Most people know everything about me. I'm a pretty transparent person. So I don't know. I would say I always wear slippers at home. (laughs) It was really I'm pretty open book. You can find out most things about me if you know me. So uh, I don't have that many secrets. I'd like to come up with something better than that, but I, I can't think of anything. And I'm not boring, but most people know most about me. Most people close to me know pretty much everything.
0: Next question is, would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion dollar company and why?
1: That is easy. I would way rather be world champion in my sport because I would be able to combine physical athletics with my career. So I would be significantly more healthy than sitting in a chair for 10, 12, 14 hours a day. I think that would be absolutely great.
0: All right, next question is, if you could have any song played in all of your public appearances, what would that one song be?
1: The song for my daughter, my second Hattie, and i we used to dance when she was a little girl in her room every night listening to Blackbird. And that song, if you know the history of that song, it was about the Little Rock Nine. It was inspired by civil rights movement in Arkansas and desegregation, and Paul McCartney wrote it in Europe. And so I love that song. I would say that would be the song. It's a lot about hope.
0: Great choice. Next question would be, what would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed?
1: That is easy. That would be politics. And when I was growing up, my dad would say to me, even if you're the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you don't have as much impact as the government does with the pen. And you saw that during COVID, right? I think that Trump gave out something like four trillion. Biden gave out two trillion. I'm not saying those were good or bad decisions. I'm just saying that was trillions of dollars, not billions of dollars. And the policy that's created by the government affects people. And so, to have the greatest amount of consequential effect on the masses, in order to do that, you really need to be in politics at a macro scale. Doesn't matter if you give if you're Elon Musk and you give it all away, or you're Bill Gates or Warren Buffett and you give it all away. Those guys are rounding errors in comparison to the government. So I would say having the greatest amount of impact on humanity with the solid right policy choices, good policy choices, I should say, to affect the masses and help those in need, that would be politics.
0: Love it. Next question is, you have 24 hours on a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going?
1: Back in time.
0: Oh, no one has said that part
1: like that. Yeah, I would go back in time, just spend another day with my dad, maybe make myself 10 years old, going on a walk across a bridge. And just talking, holding hands. That's it.
0: Oh, that's an awesome answer. The best answer I've had to that question. So thank you for that. The bonus question now is M&Ms, plain or peanut?
1: Peanut. You got to get some protein.
0: Right. (laughs) So a couple other questions you made me think about as you were saying that you were sitting in a chair 12 to 14 hours a day. I think it's important, like we grind, we work hard, but it's also important to take a time out. And so it's a chapter that I have in my latest book, Dominate the Game, because it's so important to refocus, re-energize, reset, recharge. What do you do when you take a timeout?
1: So I have a pull-up bar that I have always installed right outside my office. You know, when you're getting sick of it or when you just need to move or get your heart rate up or your endorphins going, if you do a set of pull-ups. A, it gets your heart rate way up, gets your brain flowing, you feel good afterwards. It literally will take 60 seconds. A solid minute of pull-ups is great. And you get a glass of water and you just feel awesome and energized. It's very easy. It's simple to do. You don't have to get on the floor. You just grab the bar and pull yourself up as many times as you can in all different arm positions and speeds.
0: Great answer. So another thing I wanted to ask you about, you have a family, a beautiful wife, four lovely children. You've had this great business that you run with Mike. When you look at the things you want your children to take away from your success and your career, what would those things be? What are the most important things you want your children to remember?
1: Just one, and that would be the importance of relationships. That's it. Everything is about relationship. Nothing grows on its own. No one succeeded on their own people take credit for things individually, there was a lot of people that did it. So the closeness of the relationships that, you know, I'm able to develop at work where the people that I work with are incredibly important to me, even if it's an agent that I never met, they are incredibly important to me. And those and also, obviously, the closeness and the openness and the sharing and the trust and vulnerability that's. Added to your just sort of the beautiful enhancements of close relationships.
0: Yes. And you're someone who I can see generally cares about the people that work within the company and the relationships. And that's such an important thing that a lot of people they forget about when it comes to business. They focus on a transaction or what can you do for me? They lose sight of the relationship and the human elements of that relationship and those human connections.
1: Yeah. What you can do for somebody else is far more fulfilling than what they can do for you.
0: Absolutely. I love that. So I appreciate you coming on the show. We will have all of the social links for Ad Properties in the show notes too so people can keep up with all the great things that you all are doing or that we all are doing at Ad Properties and Christie's International. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: You are welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening. If you like today's episode, please share it with someone else who you think would find the show to be of value. And also make sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball too. So, all right, everyone, we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends too. Next, I want you to go to getinsidethehuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.